Finishing up our discussion on Jedi Fallen Order. Thank you everybody for joining us today. It's another wonderful online episode as we uh, finish up our conversation on Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which has been a, a hell of a ride. I think I uh, really enjoyed revisiting this game. Once again, it's Eric as always. With me as always also, Michael. How you doing, Michael? I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. You know... I feel like this game makes the force cool again. Every once in a while, I have this like uh, this crisis where I was like, "Man, is the force actually any? Is it? Is the force cool? Yeah. Or is it just like nostalgia?" And I was like, "No, this thing, yeah, no, the force is still pretty cool, man." You see, what it is is microorganisms that live in your bloodstream and give you. It's almost like. <laughs> It's almost like that's the the culprit right there of why maybe it's not maybe why I question it every once in a while. Um, boy, they've kind of forgotten about that, haven't they? They just kind of uh, ignore that now, uh, probably for the t- best. I think they touched on it in a couple of things, but it was mostly like um, these are the Jedi got so hu- much tied up into their hubris that they thought they could calculate the Force like power levels like sans could <laughs> oh yeah obi-wan kenobi's over nine thousand. everybody run <laughs> he took off his robe <laughs> i um i think that that's like the best way to do it is like just turn it into like a plot point it was like oh yeah they were so arrogant they thought they could count it um that's my favorite just kind of let it be that they've done in the new extended universe is they took things that was like, huh, that's a little bit weird. Let's give it a reason. Like the entire Death Star having like one fatal flaw that blows up the whole station. And then you watch Rogue One. It's like it was built there by a rogue scientist who put a flaw in on purpose. So I was like, that stuff's cool. I feel like Rogue One is, in my opinion, the one of the newer movies that holds up the best. Like, I feel like that movie hits the the marks that i want to see in a star wars movie uh there's it also no, has i agree with that because there's no baggage with it because even though i talked about it on the show i love the last jedi the baggage is i don't like the movie that comes after it rogue one is cool on its own and then andor also really good so yeah i've talked about it on this show a lot since we we're talking star wars on this show uh for this game that I just pick and choose what I watch, and Andor is on there. I want to watch it. I feel like that's on my list of things that's going to be up my alley. You would love um, it. I feel like I feel like Star Wars to me pre New Hope, like anything that's like before the Episode Four is like okay with me. I'm kind of excited about it. I'm, that's my jam. And when you start getting post uh, Episode Six. It's like, oh no, man, we're getting hit or miss here. Like, you get the Mandalorian here and there, but then you also get episode seven, episode eight, episode nine. <laughs> um, I'll give you episode nine. And some of Book of Boba Fett, that was, that I don't think they knew what to do with that. But we're I fell off of that because it stopped being a Boba Fett show. <laughs> also, I, I realized that I wanted to learn less about Boba Fett. Yeah, the more, the more, it seems like mysterious characters, the less you know about them, the cooler they are. 
Yeah. Like, it seems like we fall in love with the mystery, but the minute you find out, like, more of Everybody their liked, stories. Everyone liked Boba Fett because he looked cool. I mean, that was, that was the main reason. And, uh, yeah, the more you saw of him, the less cool he was. It was like, ah. Get him, Dad, just, get him. Yeah, he was some dad dude. It was like, ah, come on, man. Yeah, and then he was like a little kid, Boba Fett. Like, you know, let's take all the cool characters and let's see them as kids. Because that's just what you want in your fiction. Um, but this show is more than just us bitching about Star Wars stuff. Um, this We're is gonna, a video game show yes. at the end of the day. We're going to be talking about what we love about Star Wars, especially yeah. with this game. Cause... Yeah, and I mean, spoiler for our conversation coming up, but Fallen Order is a very good video game. I um, am very high coming out of this thing. You talked about last time that it's very back heavy, and that's very true. Um, it's a great game, but story wise, it takes off here. Yes, at the end is when it, like, okay, hey, well, we're taking off now. It's time to go. Um, there's always been a smart ramp up gameplay wise, but story wise, it feels like this is a story they wanted to tell, but they couldn't figure out how to space it across the entire game because there's a huge gap in character moments from where you leave Baraka and Dathomir because Dathomir is where you can even start like when we started with the previous part that this section really kicks off once Dathomir begins because that's when it delves into like the themes of the characters it starts getting really interesting plot wise there's some very interesting stuff with the force I think that's why I'm so excited about survival because I kind of feel like the game hits its stride and then ends in some ways, which sounds like a criticism. And I guess you could say it is, but it's more of, Oh man, you you've added a character that kind of really brings some cool stuff to the the crew late. You kind of hit a lot of big story moments late and instead of giving it time to kind of breathe and have those moments expanded on, the game just kind of ends at that point. We, um, talk, we talked about before if we prefer games that start strong and end weak versus end weak and or end weak, but well, the opposite. Start strong, end weak, or start weak and end strong. And this is a game that starts strong and strong there's not even a gap in the middle it's a very like strong quality throughout but it's just like the end of this game is like high and above better than anything else in this thing so it it comes to a point where the game ends right when you really start to love it if it was a line graph you would have a massive spike towards the end and instead of like having a a chance to really like even out a little bit and get some more of that experience it just kind of ends there it's continuous uh climb and then it wraps up and we get credits yeah and it i think i have like mixed feelings on that pacing because in some ways i'm like okay hey that's great you know all kill or no fill you never you know bring it back down but then in another way i feel like it would have been nice to have it maybe happen a couple hours before it actually takes place in the game so you can let those characters breathe i'm thinking in particular the character that gets added after daphomir yes who yeah. uh-huh who i wish i would see more of 
because it's an extremely interesting character from a lore point of view and from a character point of view anyway. And she kind of shows up and then she's gone, you know? And um, that can kind of be a little bit jarring. Um, let's talk about with Fallen Order. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we, um, we just want, really want to talk about this today. Yeah, yeah. Let's do a quick check-in, though, first. Um, video games have been happening all over the world. <laughs> Michael, you've played some stuff, and then we got mm-hmm. some news that happened today uh, that we want to talk about. So let's go ahead and jump on in that. Uh, what have you been playing? What have you been doing? Speaking of games that end really strong, I finished Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. Which is the big uh, leads into uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake stuff that they've been doing. Yeah, well, it leads into base Final Fantasy VII Remake kind of doing its own thing. But this kind of opens up the door for... I talked about this previously, I won't delve too far into it. The storyline of Zack Fair and how important he is to Cloud. And it's something you don't get until... My understanding, uh, in, until you get a huge chunk in Final Fantasy VII. So the fact that the remake ends before the first disc, and now Square Enix is like, hey, this is going to be essential information for new, for new players going into the second part of this remake. And then having it, I won't delve into the spoils here, but spoil some aspect of like Cloud's, Cloud's character and like some of his character development stuff, but I think it will be necessary depending on what the story they're telling for part uh, two. That yeah, being I think said, that's what that's what yeah. I mean when I said leads in is it yeah. feels like this will be kind of required reading. Yeah, for that whole to get the full experience out of the remakes. And I'm very glad I played it. This is a game that's made up of three or four fan fantastic moments especially the ending however the ending of this game is brilliant it's emotional it's fantastic but the game itself doesn't justify that good of an ending (laughs) (laughs) um it's a good game it's fun the story leading up to everything makes no sense there's no like weight going into like the finale of that thing it's just like oh this is happening where did this come from? Oh, it's over? Okay, now we're in Final Fantasy VII. All right. <laughs> Would you say that, like, if you were looking to play this, you're, you're playing, fi- you just finished Final, Seven, Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, you're excited about Part Two, and uh, would it be fair to say that, hey, man, maybe you could catch this on, like, a YouTube video or something, or do you think it's actually worth playing all the way through? I, mm, that's a good question. Streaming it, I'm glad I played it. You will, you could probably get the same impact by watching someone who knows Final Fantasy VII in and out kind of like play this thing through because they might be able to better explain what the hell is going on with some of this stuff. All right, so uh, we got, not to delve too into spoilers, there's this uh, so- super soldier named Genesis. Genesis has a bunch of copies and everything, but uh-oh, more so- soldiers are going to be a part of Genesis and then he is very obsessed with this play called Loveless. Loveless. So every time you see him, he starts reciting soliloquies from this play that you have no basis of knowledge for. And but like I, I wonder also, if these are also he that... fights Sephiroth in VR, so that's really cool. 
So, <laughs> and I, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it might be a situation where you can just get something out of it for just checking it out, hitting the highlights on YouTube or something, and then be ready for part two. Because, I mean, obviously they feel like it's important because they did the walkthrough to release this. But, yeah, yeah, it, it does kind of seem like maybe not required playthrough, like I had said before. <laughs> but there is some aspects from the story that are enhanced by physically playing it. But to talk about those would be massive spoilers that i don't want to get into i'll talk i'll talk to you off mic about this eric because there's some stuff that i really want to talk about about this game that is really well done but yeah watching some a streamer that you really like playing this is another good option for for it it's really short i finished this in 11 or 12 hours which is a breeze for a final fantasy game i about to say that's actually that's a sprint right there you know usually you're in it for a a good chunk of time. Remake remake took me, which is a small chunk of Final Fantasy VII, thirty five hours, which is yeah, just which as is, long as the original that's game. That's like average. So. That's like average, you know, that's modern how, day RPG. I guess that's is how the best long way of putting it. I want my RPGs. Like, give me a good thirty hours of me of me being like fully entertained the entire way through. Once we hit the forty and fifty mark, I better be enjoying the experience because the minute it dips i'm out at the, after that time commitment i feel like also there's the intimidation factor oh yeah of like sure. knowing you're getting into a 50 to 70 hour or whatever rpg it's like the commitment level is so different where it's like ah oh, man am i ready to put my my video game timing entirely into this thing or have it drag out over four or five years you know yes um but yeah, I, I I can I can appreciate a shorter RPG in the modern day. Um, hitting up some other stuff uh, that I wanted to kind of jump in real quick and talk about. I've been talking about cleaning up my backlog, and I apparently just like on Saturday, that was the day where that happened because I finished like four or five games on one day. <laughs> That's a good um, day. Those are the best yeah, days. We, I finished uh, Fallen Order, obviously, for the show. Uh, I finally sat down and finished Guardians of the Galaxy, the Square Enix game. I thought you would finish that. Because you were like, you were at the very end of that thing. Yeah, I... talked to you about it. Yeah, and it's a great game. Uh, I don't like the combat in that game. Hmm. Everything else around the combat is fun. Um, I'm glad that I have finished it. Uh, If there was ever a sequel, I'm sure they could come out with a more battle or interesting combat system that might be the the grand thing that it needs to make it over the top That's um fair. also finished my playthrough of warhammer space marine in anticipation of warhammer space marine 2 that comes out this year uh very very excited about that uh we could talk about that for two hours but i'm not going to a <laughs> um, couple of game newer releases uh obviously uh goldeneye has hit the uh xbox and switch um play it on xbox been, yeah play it on xbox so you can get th- those modern controls man uh makes that so much more of a better experience without going um, into the system menu and changing some things and things around yeah just to be able to hit play and have a decent control scheme is very very nice um there's been a lot of talk about among people I know and like I've seen on like the TikTok and stuff like that of uh, people not being super like enthusiastic about how Goldeneye holds up 
and uh, I'm I having a blast. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it. it. It's a it's it's fun. It's great. I'm playing on the I guess what's the equivalent of medium uh, secret agent or whatever, which gives me the just enough objectives that I want. Um, and yeah, man, I'm about halfway through that thing. That thing's great. I don't know what these people are talking about. It holds up pretty well. I just finished the first surface mission, the first mission in the snow, and I was having a great time. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it, I think it holds up great. The uh, there's occasional objectives that are a little bit obscure. I had to look up might... a couple of things. Going, what am yeah. I supposed to do here? Uh, there's a couple that don't give you a ton of like detail into exactly what you're even supposed to be doing. But that's okay. I mean, it's a very it's an older game. It, that sometimes you run into that. Uh, but yeah, I don't quite understand the uh, the hate that I've seen. Some people feel like it's uh it's not holding up. I think it holds up pretty damn well. Um, also, speaking of games that hold up pretty damn well, Age of Empires two, mm-hmm. uh, I guess definitive edition is what they're calling this. Um, yeah, Age of Empires two is a great video game. Uh, I remember playing Age of Empires on my very crappy PC that we had. One of the first PCs we ever had had Age of Empires on it. Um, and it is a great way to lose four hours and still lose. Um, I've won my first couple of campaigns in that game. I got a little bit cocky, and then I lost a three-and-a-half-hour campaign the next time. And boy, uh, is that deflating. But Age of Empires is a great game. I don't know if you have any experience with that that franchise at all. Um, I I actually kind of do. My first foray into real time strategy. I went to a friend's house, of mine, with no basis of real time strategy, so I didn't know how to build units. And he just told me to play blind. So I sent all the villagers in to attack a city. So that's how it went. Imagine that did not go well. I was just um, trying. I remember just trying to make him mad, but not learning the game and actively being hostile towards it. I um, I remember not grasping how to progress in the ages, so I just like would stay in that primitive age, bronze and just age, send, baby. You know, a tons of militia to fight guys who already got knights and chariots and stuff. And it's just me with my little militia army um, as a kid. But Age of Empires is a great video game. It's a great RTS. Um, I admit, I don't play a lot of real-time strategy games, but the ones that I enjoy, I passionately enjoy. Like uh, I remember caring very deeply about Battle for Middle-earth 2 um, and getting into what were almost like six-hour fights with a friend of mine. <laughs> To the point that our entire friend group would just abandon us at his house, and it would just be the two of us continuing to try to to break each other's lines in Battle of Middle Earth too. <laughs> um, but it feels good to get back into a good RTS. Um, it's been really fun. I, I've really, I very much highly enjoy it. And also, it's a good console port of an RTS. Um, That's what I was they wondering. Figured out it's, it's actually pretty user friendly. Um, they did a lot of smart stuff with tying units to the d-pad there's a, is there an like all a, units button uh it doesn't say it oh, <laughs> like <dang> in it. <laughs> halo wars it doesn't say all units but there is like an all you know all villagers and all uh military and all that okay. stuff like you know so you can do that um and there's also like a set priority list for your villagers 
that it gives you like six different options. So you can be like, get me food and wood. Get me gold oh. and stone. So you don't have to micromanage each individual villager. Um, so that way you can be like, I'm trying to accomplish a wonder. And I need a thousand stone and a thousand gold to do that. Everybody get me gold and stone. And they'll just I, automatically walk on that. I love thinking about the implications of villagers and like games like this and civilization where they'll just get like a letter in the mail, open it up from the king and be like, bring more gold. <laughs> it's like, all right. My favorite thing is the gonna go uh, into the woods and find some gold today, honey. If you give the the computer some time, the computer just is a dick in this game, and they'll just start building like windmills and gold mines right inside your town. So like you'll just look, you'll be minding your business, building stuff up in the north of your town, and come down south and see that they've built a windmill like inside your town, and it's just stealing your food. So uh that's a power the, move. The PC. Yeah, it's a power move. It's like what you going to do about that? We got a windmill here now. <laughs> um, we have we have Chinese balloons over us. Let's just pop, let's just place a windmill. Yeah, I like, think also in this I think in this yeah, yeah, they got Chinese balloons. <laughs> We're topical here at uh Stay the Same. <laughs> and much like in that situation, sometimes you got to go burn that windmill to the ground. <laughs> Um. Oh man, I feel like we can't get through an episode without getting into some political statement of the day. <laughs> um. But yeah, Age of Empires Two is great. It's great. They've added. There's so many civilizations in that thing that I uh I never played as as a kid. So I'm enjoying playing as like civilizations that are just you know outside of my like historical knowledge base, and that's kind of cool. So. It's been it's been good. It's a good RTS on console, which is really really nice. Um, since we talked about some stuff that we've been playing, we got a little bit of time here. Why don't we talk about the big news moment of the day, which is the Nintendo Direct that dropped? Yay! Um, yeah, you uh you got it up here. A lot of big news there. Let's uh let's talk about that. Uh, fun little antidote. Uh, I saw today that there was apparently a fight between a professor and a student because the professor would not cancel a test today because said student demanded to have the day off to be able to watch the direct. <laughs> and apparently it led to a fist fight. And uh, oh, there, I just, little stories a, like that made me happy. <laughs> there was another one where a, uh, it was a kid, it was a kid being funny. He sent a message to a, te- to a teacher saying, Hey, we shouldn't have the test today because of a special event. So, did not elaborate what it was, so the teacher said into the police who are going to have um, security there the next day, because they thought it was, they were investigating it as a bomb threat, but they taught the kids, like, nah, I made a stupid joke. I just wanted to watch the Nintendo Direct, man. <laughs> uh, it's kind these of a like, funny joke. These are like Super Bowl events for video game enthusiasts, like everybody live on mass. Everyone has someone they text about announcements. I think also it's fun because it's it's a surprise, right? Like we found out about it yesterday. Because yeah, like it really is. Because there's every time you're like, what game's going to be announced, and then Shadow dropped. What's coming out two months from now? What's going to be announced for years from now? You never know what you're going to get. It's always a lot of fun. Sometimes you're going to go in going, man, there's nothing for me. 
but you watch a stream and then you have someone who's very enthusiastic about everything so uh, i feel like also like wild because it it nintendo has a bunch of like eclectic stuff so everything is going to speak to different people on different levels so with every direct you're going to either be extremely excited or you're gonna be like man man but it's not even like a bad disappointment it just feels like your team watch you're like ah man we'll get them next time they'll be next time we'll have an f-zero yeah f-zero is the cleveland browns of video game fans like one day one day will be our season I think it's the Cleveland Browns of video game fans for you in particular. <laughs> um, Ride or die. <laughs> yeah. I will say that um, there was some really interesting stuff dropped here. Uh, so let's hit some highlights real quick. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom got a new trailer. This was the last one. I wasn't in on this because I'm like, you already got me. I don't need to see any more of this game. It looks cool, but I'm going to get it day one. Even if it is... Did you hear the news that this is going to be... It's rumored because it showed up on the eShop and it was immediately uh, down that uh, it's going to be Nintendo's first $70 game. That doesn't surprise me. I'm it like, seems inevitable at this point. I'm like, of all the ones... Okay, alright, you got me. <laughs> I go hit or miss on that. Like, I have a hard time being super angry about price increases because, one, video games are very expensive to make. This two, feels long overdue. They go on sale constantly. Yeah. Unless you're and Nintendo. Three, unless you're Nintendo, yeah, which they are the ones who hang out. And three, there's so many different options like Game Pass and stuff like that where you're getting games for a fee a month, you know, instead of paying mm-hmm. individually. That I feel I have a little bit of a hard time being super angry about it. Yeah. Uh, Advanced Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp, the game that was cancelled because of the conflict in Ukraine, well, delayed because of the conflict in Ukraine, is finally coming out in April after a year. Uh, the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance is coming to Nintendo Switch Online. Game Boy for regular members, Game Boy Advance for, um, everybody who's, uh, a expansion pass member like me if you pay way too much money for things congratulations I know, that was i you know i jumped off when the expansion pass stuff happened and uh damn it the game boy advance lineup is what's appealing to me i mean just some that, good got, stuff there we, man we, we got WarioWare. we got uh kuru kuru kurin very excited for that uh we got uh, Martin Luigi Superstar Saga, and coming soon to not yet, we got the heavy hitters. We got Metroid Fusion, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, Fire Emblem, F Zero, Maximum Velocity, uh, Maximum Velocity, not Maximum Velocity. There's not a lot of philosophy in uh, F Zero. It's just go fast. Do we or do we not go fast? Yeah, the answer is go fast every single time. Always, always. It, uh, if you if you go slow, you lose and get knocked out of the of the <laughs> arena. Uh, Golden Sun is also one that I've heard a lot about. There's a lot of reverence for Golden Sun, but I haven't played that. I uh, I remember that one because that's the one that like you could put your Game Boy outside, right? I think was so? that Golden Sun. That might Cause... be Golden Sun. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure if it was. I will say that Metroid Fusion is my favorite Metroid. 
And yeah, that's a good pick. And I'm sitting here going, like, if you're going to do a Metroid, you do Metroid Fusion. Zero Mission might be my Zero Mission or Dread, so I'm I'm hopeful they'll add Zero Mission later on. I feel like they can't. I mean, why why shouldn't they? I mean, I feel like they should, but the weirdest Fusion thing is, is so damn this, good. The weirdest thing in this lineup is Alone in the Dark, uh, the new nightmare for the Game Boy Color. It says that's what I horror. want, though. Yeah, give me weird tank control survival horror on a Game Boy, please. Like I cannot <laughs> wait to play this. And did you ever play the Resident Evil on Game Boy? Nah, that that was a prototype, but I know I would have a lot of fun with that. Was it? I thought they. I thought that leaked somewhere. No, it 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 did leak, but it was a prototype. It never officially released. Okay, because I've seen playthroughs of it or playing of it. Yeah, next. And that's kind of that's kind of the that. stuff I want to see, because that's like the level of weirdness I want. <laughs> I'm screen sharing it to you now of this walk cycle. Look at that. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, what else we got here? Kirby's Adventure. Yeah, and that's available tonight. So I went ahead and claimed that download. So that's gonna happen. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of good stuff here. Just looking at your screen here, uh, Metroid even those Game Boy, even those Game Boy games are are pretty damn good. Oh yeah, uh, Metroid Prime Remake looks really good. Uh, decent price. I looked that up before the show, and that one's about about forty dollars. I looked at my wife and I was like, "Nintendo's gonna make me pay sixty dollars for this, aren't they?" She went, "Yep," but forty seems. That seems reasonable considering all the work they put in because they're alternate controls, uh, high frame rate. It looks like it's running at 60 frames a second. So, I, I feel like, especially for it just being the the first of the Prime series, $40 is, is very fair. Considering this um, is a full remake of it. If you were yeah, going it, to... it looks damn yeah. good. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever played those. I have the first one. I never finished it. But yeah, that is available tonight with uh, a physical version coming out at the end of the month. Okay, first of all, I have figured out the Resident Evil game I was thinking about. Oh, uh, Gaiden, Resident right? Evil Gaiden, yes. Yes. When you said it was a unreleased, I was like, wait a second, I played a Resident Evil game on the Game Boy. I was like, am I that crazy? No, Resident Evil Guide In is what I'm uh, I'm thinking of. People hate that, that game. Played. I've seen footage of it and went, I don't know, this looks cool. I was I had to look it up real quick because I was like, am I crazy? Or did I have an uncle at Nintendo apparently? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, I remember playing a Resident Evil on Game Boy. Yeah, Resident Evil Guide In. Um, so I'm not I'm not nuts, people. I swear. <laughs> um, we're looking at Pikmin Four here, which yeah. is pretty cool looking. Uh, I'm not a Pikmin guy, but that's does that does look pretty good. I love Pikmin. They have Ice Pikmin now. Uh, I kind of miss that. I haven't played three. I've only played one and two. But what made one and two really stand out in my mind was they had a time mechanic, where you there was a day night cycle. You go to Earth. All the monsters come out at night, so you got to grab all the parts you can throughout the day to repair your spaceship. And you had a limited time to beat the game, otherwise you you couldn't return home. Because you only had a certain amount of like oxygen by the end of the day. And then part two was like you need 
uh, a lot less dowry. You need to collect treasures from the planet to send back home so that you can save your, like, space business or something. I haven't played three. <laughs> Four doesn't seem to have, like, that time crunch mechanic, which, um, that's going to be hit or miss. It's like when they remove the, it's like when they remove the clock from Dead Rising. I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah, I've kind of took away the, the, the pressure of, you know, picking and choosing what you're going to do each time. And, it, yeah. Yeah. It still looks fun. Samadei Amigo. Oh, jeez. Uh, Samadei Amigo's back. It's a rhythm game from Sega. You use the Joy-Cons like Maracas. Uh, a re-release of Batten Kaitos, which were a series of um, RPG action RPGs on the GameCube. They are super expensive, so it's cool that there's a way to own uh, legitimate copies of those, especially HD versions. That's really cool. This is something I'm excited for. Uh, With, uh, Dead, Dead Cells Return to Castlevania. That's... This, that's cool, man. Uh, this looks really great. I don't know. I was like, do I even own Dead Cells? I think I have it on like, Game Pass. I had it on Game Pass or something, but I'm like, man, it's going to make me buy Dead Cells just to play through. I think I need to get it on switch or i i played it originally when it was on game pass it is i don't believe it is anymore mm-hmm. but uh yeah this looks really really good um they do out. weird stuff with dead cells still yeah and it every time it, they do something it looks cool that comes out march 6 a re-release of ghost trick phantom detective which i'm told is a extremely underrated uh, Nintendo DS and iOS game. I don't know much about it, so that's one thing I want to look more into and check out. Apparently, it's like really good. Here's one that I audibly yelled at the top of my lungs that I was very excited for. Uh, we love Katamari. Uh, sorry, we love Katamari Reroll. Uh, they released Katamari Damacy uh, a few years ago, and I was like, "What about we love Katamari?" That's the second PlayStation 2 one, and now that's finally getting a re-release with a bunch of extra content. Uh, music player mode, a bunch of additional challenge modes. If you don't know what Katamari is, you play as the Prince of Cosmos, whose father, the King of Cosmos, uh, one day he gets drunk and destroys all the stars in the sky. So, so you gotta roll up some shit to make new stars. Yes, it's it's pretty great. I, I love Cat... I, the game's called We Go of Katamari, but I legitimately love Katamari. I, I love this game to death, so I am very excited to have another version of that. Oh, it has a release date. I didn't see that. June 2nd. Oh, crap. That's Street Fighter, the Street Fighter 3 day, isn't it? Or Street Fighter 6 day, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm no. I'm uh, right now. No offense to oh, no. Katamari, but it's not uh, standing a chance to get I'm, Street Fighter for me. You're getting added to the wish list. As soon as you hit a sale, Katamari, we're going <laughs> to have a great weekend. Splatoon 3 DLC, Disney Illusion Island. I'm going to fly through a lot of these. Uh, Don't Nod has a new game with uh, Harmony, The Fall of Reverie. was like a visual novel thing with some, like, their signature choice system and stuff where branching narratives. It seems really cool. Good, Really good art style. New Professor Layton. Um, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has a new... Uh, course expansion, including a new track with Yoshi's Island, and that's pretty much the direct. So it's a pretty solid direct, though. 
yeah, it was one of those things, as I was watching it, I was like, okay, because they saves a lot of the bigger stuff for the second half, as you do, because you don't want to take away from games that aren't going to... If, if you start with uh, your Dead Cell, or, sorry, your uh, Metroid Prime remake and uh, Breath of the Wild, once, it get, once you get to something like uh, Fashion Dreamer, that's not going to hit as hard. <laughs> yeah, and that's always the... That's the problem with, like, the E3 traditional, like, thing they used to do, where, like, a lot of games just got buried by the massive heavy hitters. And, uh, it's just gonna happen. It's just the way it is. But, um, I I think all in all, it was a really solid direct, a lot of really fun stuff. I kind of agree with you that Tears of the Kingdom, at this point, I don't know how much more you have to sell people on that game. Um... So it's like, yo, seeing more of that just feels like, okay, yeah, we get it. Let me play the damn thing. Yes, exactly. I'm kind of at like the similar boat on a lot of stuff that's coming out this year where I'm excited for. I don't need to see anything else for it. Like Jedi Survival, uh, RE4 Remake. I mean, I didn't even see much of that, but I've seen enough to sell me on it. Let's get it. I'll put the game put the game in front of me. Let's let's do this shit. Yeah, I watched a bit of that game in former coverage and went, this is Resident Evil 4, we're good. Uh, and they got side missions. They do got side missions, it's pretty great. Uh, but uh, I'm just like, fix the rain, the rain's a little much, just tweak that slider down a bit and we are golden, that will be perfect. See, I didn't watch anything except the initial gameplay footage and then I was like, sold, and moved on. There's um, a little bit of uh, Jedi Survivor gameplay i watched like a little bit of i watched how like the lightsaber um shifting works and went this seems great all right cool we're we're back in it i also watched the gameplay footage of that the gameplay trailer and said that looks pretty damn good so (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to see too much i want to i want the surprises you know um I've said sold a lot for games coming out this year, so that's going to be a problem. I I have I I counted one day, um, last week. I think I'm in double digits for games that I'm like legitimately excited enough to buy on day one. Um, which that's is awesome. nuts. Which is just nuts. It's been a long time. And we time. were talking, yeah, and we were talking about that before the show. It feels like there's a big release every month. Um, and I'm already getting behind because apparently uh, Dead Space Remake needs to be added to my list. Um, it looks pretty damn good. I also was a little hesitant to even talk about it because I've had people... <laughs> I had a, a friend of mine who had mentioned that he was excited for it, who's a big Dead Space guy and uh, was angry about our placement on the list. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, that, that does look really good. He goes, I want to fucking hear it. You apparently hate Dead Space. I said, I don't hate Dead Space. The list is very top-heavy. It's not my fault that Dead Space is low on the list. I have a lot of top-heavy games on the damn list. But I have, so I was like, I've been kind of quiet. Like I feel like I can't be excited for it without somebody talking shit to me about it. It's not our fault we played 16 games that are objectively better than Dead Space. It just sort of ha- it just happens. We're playing some of the best games of all time. I, I'm sorry it's going 16 of those games are great all right and night trap is above it (laughs) that's the part we can't live down (laughs) (laughs) oh my did we make a mistake and then i go nah no no we did not no because i had a hell of a time playing Night Trap. (laughs) (laughs) my favorite thing about us playing night trap is 
we played Night Trap together in one sitting and then recorded a show about it. <laughs> it was the easiest podcast we've ever done. Exactly. We played Night Trap and then we talked the show about it. Uh, more of those. Uh, what's next? Sewer Shark? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll do Sewer Shark. Uh, now let's talk about a game for the show. Let's see if it goes on the list one day higher than Dead Space. Um, That's yet to be determined. We can't say so I, here. Can't say that. The li- We are just arbiters of the list. Exactly. Um... Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, talked a lot about it at the beginning of the show, so there's no reason to kind of preface it what we're about to say. Uh, I feel like it leaves off on our second part in a really, really solid place with the boss fight with the giant bat creature where we're flying around, and, you know, it's a it's just a really cool fight. And um, one of my favorite things here is the game's been all about going to these temples on the different wards, right? So we go from that boss fight towards the temple like we do on all the other planets. And then we, I feel like this is when the story of this game really kicks in hard. Um, yes. You get to the tomb, you can't get in. Um, and the game does a really smart thing of just li- leaving a meditation spot behind there. So when you turn, you do the meditation spot like you usually do. And that triggers a big flashback sequence that goes back to the day that um Kyle experienced the the order 66 order came out and the departure of the jedi and all this stuff um this is a really really good scene um it's one of the scenes that sticks with me the most when i think about this game even before we did this playthrough yes i think all Um, the scenes that stick out are in this that i think of are either in the first hour or they're in this section Exactly. So, I think this is the highlights. Um, we're, in the, we're in the greatest hits section here. What's brilliant um, about this flashback is that it's not the first one. So you go into it unprepared of what is about to happen to Cal. And it's only through environmental clues when you realize something is wrong this time. From one of the clone troopers saying, I heard we're getting new orders soon. <laughs> Being the first key. And then the second one where you um you just give a high five to a stormtrooper or a clone trooper it talks about it's like yeah you're, you're trained really well it's always nice to work with you cal <laughs> there's even the freak out when you're doing the climbing section to get to the um yes the, like little observatory area where a trooper comes out and starts shooting at you and you realize it's a part of the test but you know you kind of it is like a little playing with the expectations um they i've always said that i'm not a huge fan of episode two and three and those prequel trilogy but i have always felt like a lot of stuff has done a great job with the whole purge of the jedi in the expanded fiction and stuff it's a massive dramatic um, tragic event in the universe and i feel like media outside of those three movies has done it better than the movies did um and i feel like this is another case of that they nail down the confusion of the moment the panic of the moment and the scale of the moment in a really really good way um it's a great gameplay sequence it you know it's not a tough sequence or anything like that it's more about it being just a sequence of 
realizing why this is such a dramatic and traumatic moment for Kyle. And part Uh, of what makes that moment work so effectively is the musical score. There's two moments of music that really stand out in this section. And that's what the game has done a great job at this point, refraining from using the music, the iconic music from the movies. It separates itself from that with its own original score that feels very Star Wars-y. It's very light. There's a lot of like flutes that convey the more like space fantasy aspect of Star Wars. It's a really good soundtrack. But here they and one other moment coming up. Here they use the Order sixty six music, the same music from the movie, and it immediately as someone who absolutely loves Episode three, it's one of my favorite Star Wars movies. It takes me back to that scene. It's nostalgia done right because it's tying it to a very tragic moment from those movies as you're like crawling through the ducks and seeing like the just chaos unfold underneath as they're like as you feel like you're being like absolutely hunted down it's so good one of the, my favorite things is also it shows the competence of the his master uh, oh jaro like, was a badass yeah like the fact that Yo, know, in the movies and stuff, you see a lot of Jedi get killed just because, like, they're just standing there minding their own business and a trooper, you know, double taps them in the head and calls it a day. My favorite Here, bit he, of like, that is where the Jedi is running and then all the troopers just stop. Yeah. he keeps running and then gun him down on his back. It's so yeah, good. you realize how, like, there's no anticipation for this, so, like, everyone's easy targets. But my favorite scene about that is, like, the order comes in, and before the trooper can even lift his gun, he puts a lightsaber in his chest. Like, there's no hesitation to him. And you realize that that's the model that Kyle is living up to up to that point, right? Like, he's such a larger-than-life figure that though it makes it even easier for Kyle to feel like he'll never live up to that. Yeah. Um, And the way he does die, you know, getting Kyle out and also you know, the way he dies, um, you can see why his, his presence would be difficult for him to overcome. His um, master literally died in his arms. Cal feels like he didn't do enough to, to save help. him. Help. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, Jaro is a very, he's a very interesting Jedi master. You don't see a lot, a lot of of him a lot of jedi masters like him he's tough he's very, very warlike tough. yeah he's very because he's training a padawan at during the clone war so it makes sense that he would be more of the like the, the commanding type but you see like he's very direct with cal like not a lot of there's not a lot of like full-on yoda like mysticism in it it's always like very direct like focus he, focus he on the force you. trust in the force not there's no um concentrate close your eyes and reflect it's like no concentrate focus be determined that is how you that's how you overcome any obstacle through the force like jedi in um in the their portrayal are like very much used as like almost like samurai Yes. With the mixture of like mysticism and warrior and the warrior poet kind of thing. 
while he's a lot more of like a like a media portrayal of like what like a knight would be mm-hmm. he's a lot more straightforward like you said he's more aggressive he's more training cow in a very direct way the force is an object to be conquered not to be coexisting with like but it, it still works he still fits yeah but i really like that you see someone who's got a different belief and different way of going about things than the traditional jedi way and i think it makes him more appealing and it kind of gives you also a little bit more insight to how kyle thinks about the force because of who was it who it was it was training him yes and now he's kind of also mixing that with seer and stuff and like having multiple people influence how he views the force the mirror i didn't catch it the first time the mirrors between this scene and the attack on uh fortress inquisitorius which is a very stupid but fantastic name but it's a star wars name though man. remember <laughs> there's a sidious there's a darth sidious in this movie <laughs> what's my favorite uh savage oppress is a name of a villain in this universe uh, i was talking to a, a fellow warhammer enthusiast and um we were talking about uh star wars in relationship to warhammer and my fellow warhammer brethren was getting very high and mighty about how stupid names are in star wars until i reminded him that there is a primarch who is known for being angry and full of rage whose name is angron (laughs) and that the main space marine chapter are the ultramarines because their color scheme is the blue of like an ultra blue Uh, so uh after reminding him of this fact he was no longer as hard on star wars names (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah going back to it there's a parallel between uh jaro and seer where they do the same shot of them fighting in a hallway and compare it that never caught this the first time playing it but this time like i really focused on their fighting styles jaro is a tank he's aggressive knocking dudes like with like the blood of his saber he uses uh well seer does too at this point but uh the double blade saber was always like sort of more or less frowned upon by the jedi because he saw it as like Oh, not weapon of a defense of defense that was more of an attacking weapon and he he uses that as an attacking weapon by like oh, he chews through people i mean so he's, <laughs> it feels like watching batman go through the hallway um and it fits right it makes it realizes how big of a figure he is and a shadow to be in mm. um yeah i really i really playing back through this a second time it's a scene that i remembered like from the get-go i got right when it started i was like oh here we go um but um yeah i forgot just how damn good it is uh one of my favorite things is it leads to this is what i talk about when i said the it reminded me that the force can be cool um it leads to a scene in which kyle is kind of in this void space and he's talking to his master and you have the whole duel with a force ghost thing that happens and you realize like how much power a jedi kind of like is contained in them from when he has his little freak out there he literally shatters the lightsaber in his own hand 
not just the lightsaber, like breaks the crystal inside the yeah. lightsaber. And it's not just because he squeezes it so hard. It's because like it's like the force pushes out of him in such a way that it just crushes it. It's an energy that's just giving all of its might into the one concentrated area that just destroys the lightsaber. It's a really, really freaking cool moment. Um, and my favorite thing about this is I had forgotten about it. Like, I totally oh. forgot that he had done this. And, like, I had, it was like I had forgotten that he breaks the lightsaber. And then I do remember the like the running sequence when you're running by all the zombies, the zombie night sisters. Yeah, and like I couldn't remember why you were doing that until this moment, and then to kind of re remember that there's an entire sequence here in which you go to rebuild the lightsaber, it's completely left my mind. But I now playing through it on the second go around is probably one of my favorite sequences in the whole game. Because it is, it's that religious experience for him of going back to a place that he had been to as a child and taking this like rites that he had done originally to build this weapon. And you, it really brings apart the idea that a lightsaber was not just a weapon. It is a extension of the person who wields it. Exactly. It's the equivalent of because like I always view like Jedi's having a lot of samurai in them. It's the extent the same thing is like the forging of the own sword. You know, it's the warrior poet you know thing of the sword is not just a a tool; it is an extension of who you are. Um, that whole sequence is just really really good. Yeah, man, this it's because this also shows Cal at his lowest point. And how he's not willing to, even at this point, this is usually where Jedi, when they feel the most lost and the most defeated, give themselves over. And there is this moment of near temptation here where he's leaving and the classic scene, Terran's like, join me and we can rule this place together. But then Marin, I don't know, I don't think Cal would have gone for it in this moment, but Marin kind of breaks that tension there when she's like, she catches uh, Terran Malikos in the light, Marin being the Night Sister. I don't know if we have her full name at this point. But she's like, wait a minute, if you said the Jedi were traitors, then why do you want one by your side? Um, th- That whole sequence is really good, especially if you pay attention to the Force Echoes that lead up to this. It really kind of tells more of that story in those, mm-hmm. that like how he's been subtly walking his way into their society but it's a really cool moment too because it's um it's very much like uh using like a a story from like religious like stories it's like lucifer temptation on the mountain thing that happens in like christian belief which is the like the belief that like him tempting him at that lowest moment like oh nothing you've done has worked well i have an easier path (laughs) you know (laughs) you can just come hang out with me and we'll do it my way oh, there, you know there's a lot of like christian philosophy and a bunch of other like mainline philosophies within star wars itself a lot of like christian a lot of christian buddhist um yeah you know buddhist and stuff like that is very hot you know uh, i forget the name of the is it tau tave i don't want to offend anybody's religion or anything 
but uh there's another like it's like a eastern asian belief system that plays heavily into like that whole idea that the force kind of plays off of it is an um, interesting mix of the Jedi are an interesting mix of like Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy. They take aspects yeah. from like the physical side and the spiritual side from both and combine them. And that's what makes it so fascinating is those real world parallels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I very much in, like going back to, you know, we get the sequence where Cal has to rebuild the lightsaber and yeah. um, the path to do so. You know, it's it's a break from the combat of the game. There's no combat for the bulk of this. Um, it's just traversal. It's great because the platforming in this game is is amazing. Um, some really actually good puzzles here. I think there was a sequence with the light and trying to melt some ice. Yes. That is a good version of what they tried to do with the burning the vines in the beginning of the game. Like they do, so it's oh, yeah. kind of similar, but it's better. Like it's done more properly. Fun fact: the this puzzle and this whole room is in the Clone Wars cartoon. Well, yeah, but it yeah. makes sense though because it's directly references that this is like where younglings and Padawans go to do the process of making their lightsaber, and you pick up Force ghosts of other Jedi masters and stuff taking their padawans to go build a lightsaber so it's 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 a as a path and in cal even mentions that he he did this he was here mm-hmm. um yoda yoda t- takes the the padawans on a field trip to build their lightsaber <laughs> yeah i like that one of my favorite things also about like and the tragedy of it is like the concept that jedi are are you know born and raised from children basically um which is a science fiction trope in a lot of things. Um, but it allows you to play with this idea that, like, at the peak of the Jedi Order, you know, there was all these, like, rituals and traditions that are sacred to them. And now Kyle is kind of, like, doing a... He's the last one following those traditions. He's It makes really makes him feel lonely, you know, to be one of the last ones to remember coming here and building a lightsaber and following those those beliefs it he's he's a he's a member of a dying breed and that i feel like in this kind of moments it really hammers that home what that feels like for him and even though the journey to ilum for the for them as a personal journey they were never alone when they did it originally they always like arrived in groups cal's making this journey by himself and he has a moment where he feels truly like alone where he uh has that moment of like ptsd and he shatters the crystal yeah and then bd like his memory unlocks and he plays the final message from cordova cordova which gives him hope and what i he... like about that too is cordova almost is like a reminder of him not being alone like mm-hmm. here is a voice of that past of that the of the order and of his you know his you know somebody who he can recognize and it can it's like that even in his darkest moment the memories and things like that are still there for him it's a really really good remember in episode four of, of a, new, a new hope there's a great line that han solo does when he describes the jedi like they're like a kooky religion that you know it's just it's so passive and like flippant towards them 
hokey religion, religion and ancient weapons. Yeah, hokey, and the, one of my favorite things about that is you're seeing it already start that like the memory of the Jedi and their ways and how they did things and how they performed their rituals and stuff like that is already fading. And that feeling of Kyle sitting alone in the cave, it, it just really gets across that, like the last people to carry the flame. Um, it's a beautiful kind of moment. And one of my, like I said, it's one of my favorite moments in this game. And I forgot about it <laughs> here. Um, and replaying it, I was like, like once I, once we got to the planet, I, my memory unlocked like many things that you, when you replay something, it's like, oh, I remember it now, but yeah, uh, it's a, it's one of my favorite moments in this game. I love this whole section. Did you hold it up to the light and you pick your lightsaber color? What color I had to did do you a choose? new one. Um, I was playing originally with orange mm-hmm. because I, I was playing like with the new Glade plus stuff. So I just, I had my unlocks, um, so this time I switched it to uh, blue. So I did switch the lights. Oh. I felt like I needed to choose a different color to, you know, get across the fact that it's a new blade. That's what so. I did. I, I jump around with a, with some of the colors to, like, match, like, the environment of the planet. But once I reached this point, I stuck with indigo. Indigo is like, a good color. Yeah, Good mix of, like, the purple and blue. It looks great in the light, symbolizing it's... The meaning of the saber is pretty similar to green. It's like the more spiritual Jedi, but it has like purple Jedi users are some of the more like aggressive Jedi users too. So it has like that, a combination of like the aggressive fighting stance with like the, like the, the philosophy of like what makes like blue and green saber so special. So what's the one saber color you don't use? The one I don't use yellow. I'm not a big fan of yellow. Oh, see, mine's red. I just can't do it. Oh, no. I can't true. give them red. Yeah, I can't give them red. The fact that you even can feels weird. I mean, because you get it with the um, Inquisitor Cal outfit, but... Yeah, I know, but I can't give Cal a red lightsaber. It feels wrong, yeah. Yeah, red is for Sith. Um, But uh, one thing I do like is, you know, the Empire finds you here, and it's that violation of a sacred place. Um, but they don't even come all at once. You see throughout the temple, you see their scout droid. So it's their yeah. first hint of them here. So that's a very good way of doing it versus they're suddenly here. Yeah. Here hints that they're there. And, um, and I do like the fight on your way out. Cause to me, it feels very like vindictive. Mm-hmm. Like you, you people don't belong here. You know, like, this is a sacred place, and I am going to chop down every stormtrooper here. You know, it, it just feels like you can kind of feel righteous rage in they, that moment. They don't give any of the strong enemies, like the purge troopers here. It's all those weak, like, low-level stormtroopers yeah. that you can just mow through. The music's it's the, blaring. You done, you done fucked up, boys. <laughs> the, I, yeah, it's so good. The environment's really great here because you have that imperial trench that they're starting to build, which, uh, if you know episode seven, that is, uh, this was like the key, uh, hint that Starkiller base from episode seven was Ilum. So they eventually took the planet from the Jedi and it's like Kyber core and turned it into a super weapon for like the first order empire extension thing. So that, 
the just seeing the trench is like a cool visual because it further represents like they're taking something sacred and using it for strictly military purposes and control of the galaxy which is the exact opposite of like jedi philosophy so, it takes away the 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 spiritual warrior right of a jedi yes. this this pat this seeks peace but will fight to make it you know to defend it a defensive force and it turns it into a aggressive offensive you know fascist force in the empire and uh yeah it's a really it's a cool moment it's one of the few like ties to episode seven eight nine that i really really dig here that i like that it's referencing that it's really really cool yeah so you make your way back to the mantis here there's not a whole lot of stories up here uh you do fight two atsts this time which is cool yeah i can i can tear those guys up now though <sighs> You feel so powerful at the end of this game. Oh, you also can have an extension now where you can break your lightsaber and do a two-bladed move on it's it. It's like a guard break, basically. Yeah. Awesome. Um, it's a great guard it's break. It's really good. It's great, yeah. It feels so cool. They're Especially for like, the scout troopers and stuff. Like You tear oh, yeah. through them with that stuff. They're expanding it to a full saber style in the next game to be like your fast style, which I'm very interested in. It seems like the next game is kind of leaning into like um, I don't know if you played Devil May Cry, uh, three, but like they had like styles and stances. It looks like they're kind of doing something like that with the different sabers, like different sabers being different kinds of things. Yeah, which they kind they kind of do that here, where like the double blade is like crowd control, mm-hmm. and the single blade is like it's like dueling kind of thing. I thought um, of the, I thought of the the first Witcher game, strong style, fast style, group style. But in that game, you just click left mouse to do anything. So yeah, <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to that remake. <laughs> um, you return to the Daphimir, um, to go I, into the temple. I didn't. I took a personal journey with Cal first. I went to the Venator wreckage because where I was thinking. Cal to go immediate right right in there after it will make sense but i was like i want him to also wanted to do some upgrades by just fight story wise like i want Cal to confront what happened to him through order 66 so in my mind that was the top that was the point of the story to go to the vendor wreckage learn about the jedi there who got betrayed by her clones and was killed and uh i got to uh stim packs from there and it's Cal says a moment that made it feel worth it story wise in my mind. Cal seems almost forgiving of the clones. He says, "We were pa- in the end, we were pawns just like they were." Like he feels no hatred to them anymore, which I think the end of that like side quest kind of um, completes how we felt from both like where we see him at like Order sixty six and that where he is at the beginning of the game and when he sees like the statue of well the memorial of like the clone troopers helmets and everything and how he feels like taken aback from that that's sort of like a really good end to that mini uh story arc from there that's just something i wanted to see no i i, I played through it the first time i played this game i did not do it this time just because of uh time concerns but gotcha. um but no it is it's very much worth doing um even hunting down just like the force echoes in this game 
usually are always rewarding. Every oh, yeah. once in a while, there's one that's just like a like a sound clip, but a lot of time they do play into the environment and the storytelling that they're doing. Um, the Return to Daphne for me was the whole concept of okay, we have to go confront this now. Um, and there was a great moment in which he has he returns to the the door into the temple. He has a vision again with his master, and there's a conversation that he has. You don't beat him in combat or anything like that. He has a conversation, and he's like, you know, he's able to come to peace with what happened. Yes. And basically, and I like also that it's almost like his master gives him his last approval so Cal can put the memory of that to rest. Um, it's a really good sequence. Like they have the fight and then Cal lowers his saber and his master makes it look like he's going to it, but Cal doesn't flinch. He just lets the saber come right right close to his head and he just stares at him. And I, I can't remember what uh, He says something along the lines of like, I'll remember the things you taught me. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's a come to, to, to peace with the moment. Like, I'm not going to let this moment dictate my life anymore, but I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget you. Um, It was a really, it's a really well done sequence. Um, My favorite thing about this whole temple sequence is it doesn't really, there's not a long, um, you get your Tomb Raider stuff when you're building the lightsaber. This temple is very straightforward. It's literally it, a straightforward path. You can go left or right to get some more force echoes that reveal yeah. Marin was tricked to teach Terran magic with a K because it's space magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, don't you know that any magic that is not in a fantasy ward is spelled with a K? Ah, got it. <laughs> it's like how combat in a ward outside of yeah, outside the mortal realms, combat is spelled with a K. Yeah. Um, this is very important. And uh, hello, welcome to State of the Saves English class today, where we <laughs> teach you how to properly spell combat. Um, my, this is a good sequence. Like I, I said, this so whole. Uh, my favorite thing is too. Kyle comes into this having conquered his his doubt and put himself back on footing for what he needs to do. And he encounters someone who failed, right? They, they He fell. Uh, when the purge happened, he fell to despair and hopelessness and all these things. And Cal, it's such a cool dichotomy between the two of them. Cal doesn't become a Jedi when he's denied by Seer. That's a powerful moment. Cal becomes a Jedi when he walks in the room to fight Terran. Yes, because Taryn represents everything that could have happened to him, mm-hmm. and he conquers it. He was a survivor of the purge, but he took it the wrong way. Well, I'll talk about at, at once we wrap up where we are at this boss fight. I'll talk about like the themes of this game because the theme, all the themes tie together with this fight and with the end of this game in general. But uh, yeah, let's talk about this boss fight. This boss fight it's great. rules. It's tough. I beat him first try. This is the second big boss fight. The other one was against the bat creature. Where like I had like a million amount of health left. 
Like, if you breathed on me too hard, Kyle was going down. But I barely beat him. Uh, this is a great fight, man. Dude, it's I so love this fight so good. much. It's, it's cinematic. Just all of his moves. He's throwing pieces of the environment at you. Like, doing the wave... Throwing rocks. Doing, like... The, the fact that you're this is the first boss fight where your force moves don't work on him because he's also very strong with the force. So it kind of I like that it kind of implied that Night Sister was like a strong physical fighter but kind of weak in the force because she doesn't really do that much often. But Terran's a different beast entirely. He uh, will come at you with one saber while he has the other saber just thrown there, uh, floating there, and then in the middle of the combo he'll just like grab it with the force and just sling it at you. Yeah. He is the, the culmination. He's so casual with it. Like, you can feel how powerful he is because of that casual nature he has. Nothing feels forced, which makes him so much more dangerous feeling. Because it's like Kyle's still, like, having to, you know, put effort into using the force. He's just wielding it like it's no big deal. I took a lot of pictures with the uh, photo mode of this fight. Just because the environment and everything looks so good, and just I it's got a really classic good shot. Star Wars fight. Oh, it's so good. The mu- the music's going strong at the halfway point. Marin will get in there and like open him up mid combo with some blows, where you can get in there and just knock out like a piece of his health. Oh, this fight is just my best fight. I think I just like mano a mano fights in games. <laughs> where I think they'll the one-on-one. I think. I think you're right. I think that the ideal way to do a boss, right, is to have a a big knockout drag out fight like this. Not only that, um, but he's not any he's not any like he's not like a Metal Gear fight where he has, they're throwing in new mechanics at you that you have to learn. Like you don't have to learn this all of a sudden melee combat system that you barely used to now full effect or like operate a sword. It's he is the escalation of everything you know up to this point of the game. He's will throw moves at you that you can't block, but you have to dodge. You have uh all the other bosses had that too where you had moves that you parried versus dodge versus like breakthrough guard and everything, but he's doing it and changing it up in a rhythmic pattern. We'll find a more chaotic version of that with our final boss with Trilla, but he's the more precise version of this where he's your final he's your exam prep before you go in for the final test is like if you can't beat Terran you're gonna have a if you're struggling with Terran you're gonna have a really bad time with Trilla if Trilla is everything Terran is but faster and hitting harder yes like Trilla knocks your health bar down quick like there's a couple of her moves that are just devastating he's got a little bit less damage output but he is still giving you all the same tricks. Um, this is a great fight. It's so great. The ending of it is great when she buries him in the the stone. Um, that's some ball of stuff right there, <laughs> man. Like the fact she doesn't. You don't even kill him outright. You bury him in the earth. I forget the line she says. It's like something like you'll. Daphomir will be your grave. Yeah, Daphomir will be your grave and buries him. You know, it's it's good, uh, man. It was it was such a badass line. I had to write it down because I went, yes, that that's it. She, I, I, I want to talk about her. We talked about her at the front. 
of the show she's such a great character i really really hope she shows up in survival i i mean she has to yeah um i haven't seen anything with her don't spoil it for me please um no i'm not gonna say it but uh she's i really wish we would spend more time with her in this game because she's she's so fun her dynamic with the entire crew is fantastic and this is where like the moment with uh her and cal because they're talking about what happened and cal brings up pralf here after the boss fight as a really and there's a really nice moment with him and marin like pralf says like i was stuck in hiding and then a buddy of mine told me i need to go out and have my adventure see the galaxy and I, I feel like I finally got to do that. Talking about Pralf at the beginning of this game. That was a really good moment. And Marin joins the party saying, Jedi and Night Sisters don't travel together, but survivors. We adapt. Showing that they come from different backgrounds, but they're kindred spirits in a way. Him and Marin are much more alike each other, despite complete, completely different backgrounds, than Terran and Cal which had the same background, but had different things happen to him as a result of that trauma, which this is where I want to talk about, have this unfold here. This is where I want to talk about the major theme of this game, which is overcoming your trauma. All the major characters have a trauma that they are either over, that they either overcome or they are consumed by. Cal starts the game consumed by what happened to him with War 66, but he spends the game going on a journey to overcome that Seer, the trauma of giving up her Padawan's location, but having another chance in Cal to kind of redeem herself. And at the end, she becomes the Jedi Master again, knighting Cal. Trilla, even at the end of this game, has the moment where she feels like she's about to turn until she, like, inevitably she doesn't. And Marin's trauma of what happened with the Knight Sisters, she overcomes that by beating the, by helping you kill the source of what happened there as well as joining with a Jedi, what she thought was the enemy, but is really an ally so that she can go fight the real oppressor with the Empire. It is, the way they weave all of those stories together is, like, really great storytelling, and I wish there was more of that throughout the game. It's all here in the last five to six hours, but it's it still doesn't change the fact that it's really incredible storytelling. One thing I will say, I agree with you 100%. Um, and I think what you've, your, your observations are 100% correct. Um, the one thing I will say is dealing with trauma is a process. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe one of the reasons why it is so backloaded is to try to give Kaos and Seer and stuff like that a longer time to slowly show that process. That's fair. Um, I don't think there's 100% done perfectly but i could see that being one of the justifications for why it's so backloaded um but you're 100 percent right the the big theme of this entire game is trauma mm-hmm. um and conquering trauma and learning to live with your trauma not forgetting it but learning to live with it um and it's done surprisingly well like it's done very well um it one of my favorite things here, and this kind of ties into our next sequence, uh, 
you have to have the inevitable showdown. Uh, you have to you return. I'm skipping something. Let's jump to that real quick. But we, we return to actually get the the uh, device, the Deus Ex Machina, of uh, that's going to you know show us all the force sensitive children in the world. It's an obvious trap. Every it's single... an obvious trap. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this. This is the least important part of this games. Is the actual reason why they're doing all this? Yeah, is not nearly as important as the, the stuff beats. around it. Yeah, um, but I do love that to get that item. Kyle has to see almost a glimpse into the future of what's actually going to happen if he goes through with this. The war. It's it's the force giving a warning. And it is the, a very great secret. It reminds me a lot of the scene at the end of Life is Strange, where you're going through the hallway that's the hallway that looks very similar to this, where you're unraveling all the decisions you made. Where yeah. that's looking at decisions you made in the past, this is looking at, deci- at de- one decision that will carry the way of the future. And there's a really great bit here where you're climbing the wall and, uh, but everything else is like looking like a top-down view as you're climbing, as you're seeing like your future Padawan get gunned down by stormtroopers. This is a very powerful sequence. You know, the whole concept that Cal is, is his dream at first, right? To restart the Jedi Order. And to realize that inevitably that will be caught, they will be captured, his Padawans will be tortured and killed, and they will, he will fall. And it's this idea... It's a warning, like I said, it's a, like a warning from the Force, like, you know, this is not going to succeed, you know, and you realize that this whole quest has not been about finding all the children and restarting the Jedi Order, it's about Cal being able to come to peace with what happened to him, and that plays heavily into the ending. Yes. Um, But, yes, it's an obvious trap, second sister is here, T- T- uh, Trilla, Trilla stills the device from us after a short little boss fight we can't beat her again um and this kickstarts the sequence in which we now have to oh real quick there's the bit here where cal's force echo ability is used against him where she just throws cal uh her lightsaber he catches it and that's what he's like given with guilt using his own ability against him and i like the line she says here's like good luck with that thing it's been through hell as she pieces out and it gives you an insight into what happened to her you see um her journey of being captured and see her uh you know her being revealed to see her as having become an inquisitor and uh yeah that's a really really cool scene we talked about this a lot but trilla is a great villain I love Trilla. She's character. so good. And uh, we talked about this in the other two episodes, but I didn't want to talk about it until we got to it in the actual game. It's kind of a shame that this is the last time we're going to see her. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, but she's really, really good. Um, this whole sequence is is great because you realize, okay, we have to now go after this thing. And Kyle's even at this point not even looking at it as having to go after it to restart the Jedi Order. He's having to go after it just to protect these children. Yes. Um and that does take us to what is it? Fortress in Fortress uh, Inquisitorious. Inquisitorious. This is where Cal's uh, knighted. This is when 
you have a bunch of really great dialogue on the ship between Seer and uh, Seer, Marin, Grease, and then I have a note here that says, I love all four of these dorks interacting with each other. <laughs> what I like about it, too, is they don't lean heavily in, like, the dysfunctionalness. Like, that's something a lot of storytelling does where it makes groups dysfunctional. Um, they are fairly united pretty quickly. And it makes it walk better, in my mind. These are people who care about each other, who are going to do something dangerous, and are willing to go in it together and walk together to do it. And um, I really, really kind of enjoy that. Uh, yeah, you get the great sequence when Cal gets knighted. And like you said, in my mind, he's already become a Jedi. And this but is the second kind of, time. It's the official thing. Yeah, this is the second time they use music from the movies, and it's the Force theme. They did not do the Force theme, I can't remember, anywhere else in this game. They save it for this moment, and because of that, it hits. Yeah, because it instantly brings into your mind this moment of, like, triumph. It's, um, it's great. Yeah, I really love that sequence. And I love that she uses the Force to pick up the lightsaber. And it's the first time you've seen her, like... Oh, that's right. Use the force, you know. Um, she's not afraid of her pull to the dark side anymore because she's she's overcome that. Like yes, like the theme yeah, of this game. <laughs> I really love that sequence when she uses the force to pick up the lightsaber, and it's just it's so subtle. But it's this like oh she's she's yeah. Um, this is a, go ahead. I just want to say. This is incredible that most of the leading cast in this game are women, and they all have complete arcs. They're all incredible characters. Trilla, Seer, and Marin are all active participants in the plot and themes, and that's awesome for a big AAA action games like this. Sometimes like RPGs will do this, but like, yeah. like but just like a straight up uh, action Souls like like this, that's that's awesome that you can see something like Everybody that. Everybody with a main villain that's a woman. Who's mm -hmm. well rounded and has depth. Um no, this is a wonderful written game. Like the story wise, I mean I I I have no complaints about any of the cast in in this game. Um, even the characters that come and go, you know, mm -hmm. like you know, they are still very solid. Like Night Sister and stuff like that, like these are still good characters. Like it's this is a just it's wonderfully well done. Yeah. Um. This whole sequence in storming the uh, the tower and storming the fortress it is starts great. With Metal Gear Solid. You sneak in and go. You're up to the ducks where there's two guards waiting on you to an elevator. It's yeah. Metal Gear Solid. That's a straight up <laughs> reference. Um. I love the entire sequence up to them like damaging the place when she blows the um whole section up that floods a large portion of it i love mm -hmm. seeing the inquisitor like dojo there's a great sequence when you look out over the dojo and they're sparring in there and you, he says it's like a it's like a version of our dojo the uh, training center in the jedi temple the temple yeah it's a it's a perversion of jedi uh cultural you know right like this is something that they stole from us um, there's a great sequence in which you come out into the prison. Um, 
and those stormtroopers on like all these different levels firing at you and you're reflecting shots back at them and when you time it right um, with the double blade and you just go like an impossibly fast uh, and knock them all down it feels so good Uh. at this point you have kyle is so upgraded and you've probably got so comfortable with the combat you feel like you're just tearing through guys like in the dojo section when they're throwing all those guys at you i was just force shoving guys off of the platforms force grabbing stormtroopers and stabbing them like you just feel like cal is a he's a full-blown jedi now and he's just tearing through there's a reason why these guys were feared oh yeah then we get to this. It's a pretty short section, all things considered, until we get to our final fight with Trilla. Which how? Okay, I, I ain't gonna lie. I always struggle with this fight. I struggled with it the first time I beat the game. Uh, I think I died seven times here. I um, I didn't die in the game much at all, but I died seven times in this fight. So first time I played this game when it came out, I played on Jedi Master difficulty. I had to tank trank the difficulty down to Jedi Knight and I felt so defeated that I went back into this one she killed me three times on the fourth try without lowering the difficulty I did it handed, handedly I had like four uh, revives left in this fight One, once I got a feel for all of her moves like she, I got to a point near the end of that fight where she wasn't touching me I had that, had that Jedi moment I was doing like perfect dodges going in for the kill she had almost got me a couple of times with that dash ability which will that grab you if she hits you that's like half your health bar i love that move though because she like not only does she like she like sucks like the soul out of you you drop to your knees and she just kicks you square in the chest that's like that's yeah that's fun never get tired it's, of no it's a great it's a great moment um this is so built up right because you fought her three different times before this and you times. never felt like a threat against three, her. Yeah, three different times you yeah. fought hard, and every time she's beat you. And here is your like no ends in all be all in front of the torture device that, that created her. Created her. It's uh it's so amazing. And when you finally do Beetle, um, there's this great sequence with Sears there, and they're talking to her, and you feel like for a split second she might be redeemable and then you hear <laughs> this no, is you see, you see the doors open and the and you, fog come through it's a beautifully shot that. moment <sighs> I, my god this <laughs> we talk about rogue it. one they rogue saved one it. has one of the <laughs> most impressive darth vader sequences in the history of the media this one mm-hmm. in my opinion is better Yes, I agree, hundred percent. This is the best thing I will say about Disney Star Wars. I have my highs with it, I have my lows with it. Darth Vader, at least the stuff I've experienced, has been consistently great in the new canon. He, Everything he's a they've done, with him, force. he has the best. He has the best comics. This is where we get the lot. We have the comic with him where he's standing in the middle oh. of the field, surrounded, and they're like, "We have you surrounded." And he says, "All I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men." All I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men. And he's surrounded by like 400, 500 guys with like, you know, X-wings overhead. And just that confident (laughs) level of like, none of you are getting out of this. 
this. <laughs> like, and then you have the Rogue One horror movie sequence where he's just tearing through people. Um, this sequence is so great because one, when he pours Trilla f- to him, her last words being "Avenge uh, us, v- avenge us." And she like she comes down to it right before he kills her. Um, and my favorite thing is he doesn't like even do much talking <laughs> and, and no one like maybe we should try to fight him everyone's reaction is right <laughs> there, there's a great moment where seer had alluded to a shadow that was like leading the torture and she was like cal's like is that and she says yeah yeah that's him there's not a lot of exchanges where she's like cal run she charges him and not even flinching, two fingers flicks her off the podium. It's a it's terrifying moment as much as it is almost comical. It's so good. It's a like, reminder, you know, that's something the movie's up until, like, I will give the Disney stuff some credit because I agree with you. Um, never really laid into is, like, they always talked about Anakin being the chosen one. And it's not until recently do we see just how much heads and shoulders he is above everybody else and here you see it he is head and shoulders more powerful than everyone else and they keep they also they with the new can too they've been keeping a lot of like anakin sassiness coming through yeah like the sarcasm <laughs> and the arrogance be yeah. cho- careful not to choke on your aspirations director is one that that comes up yeah, for me and uh, this one just looks at him and goes, it would be wise for you to surrender. Cal, Cal swallows visibly, just like, mm, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, but this is a great sequence with him bringing down the entire facility around Cal. Like, as you run across the bridge, he's pulling parts of the bridge apart. Um, you have to use and your you like, to platforming the... to get through yeah. the... He's, he doesn't care. He's like literally shaking the stormtroopers off of it just so he can throw it at you. It's... He At one point when you get to the elevator, you turn around and he's, and there. he's just there. He's like He moves like Jason from the Friday the 13th movies where he just teleports wherever he wants to be. Um, and then like when he you go in the elevator and the sable comes through the wall and you see the elevator going up so the sable is going down. And my favorite thing is, like, Cal's like, oh, you know, we got away. And then you, he just pops right back up again, right in front of you. <laughs> just like, hey, what's up? It's me again. Uh, we see Seer have a moment where she's, like, almost tempted to fall back to the dark side to try to defend. Uh, she holds him back with it, starting to. And that's when Vader just goes, yeah, do it. You would have made an excellent Inquisitor. <laughs> My favorite thing is, too, like, she's using, like, she's pulling from, like, forbidden power and this, that, and the other. And Vader, even then, is not really that concerned. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's, you know, holding him back, and he's just like, okay. Yeah, he's playing into potential, it. Kid. He's playing like, into he just, it. Like, he's letting himself feel yeah, like Yeah, like, you feel like more. he's not actually going 100%. Like, he's like, hey, you know, there you go. Maybe you should keep doing this more often. Don't it feel pretty good? Like, like, not once. And then, of course, you get away by shattering the glass and the entire ocean coming down on him. He almost and kills he... BD, and I almost scream every time. But... Ah! <laughs> 
Um, it's so good. Oh man, oh, they say it's, it's one of the best off it. He's in this for like five minutes. <laughs> Not even, but it's probably sadly it's the most probably memorable part of this game because it happens at the very end and it's so good. But that doesn't detract from all the other great stuff that this game does. This game is a little bit cameo heavy at the beginning, but they save the best for last. They because they because they pull back and there hasn't been one for a long time where like there's no Saul Guerrera or references to Yoda or anything unless it like matters specifically for the story but here they they literally wrote in this whole thing just so they could have Vader show up and it doesn't feel tacked on it it works it's fantastic I love this bit also I will say this it makes 100% sense why he would be here yeah, that's his home. That's his base. That's his home lair. That's where. Yeah, he, like he's the boss it, of his Inquisitors. It's his day to come in and micromanage. Well, and also she's got an item that he would be interested in. Yeah, so it's like a hundred percent makes sense why he would be here. Ooh, we got a um, hit list to kill more Jedi. That sounds like something I need my attention to. I'm not. I'm not working remote today. I'm coming in. Don't worry. Yeah, I think I'm coming. We'll, we'll see what we got here. Not working remote on my castle on Mustafar. <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll be there i'll, I'll be there for, send a work email i'll be there first thing at 8 30 <laughs> I, I like the idea of also like some poor stormtrooper's jobs put out like the donuts and coffee for shit ah <laughs> um, oh, crap vader's coming uh what is he what is he like go dunkin hit the dunkin um get some diet calf we survived the experience we're picked up by the crew um this ends with us sitting around the table staring at the um the device and you know seer is even like we've done it you know we can restart the jedi order and kyle very clearly has already made up his mind that he's not doing it but one of my favorite things is there's no big argument about it when kyle's like no we can't though you know he doesn't he, like, he looks at he looks at seer she gives him the look like i trust you he ignites the saber and just cuts the holocron in half just to say, like, listen, we're going to make sure these kids never are found. And if um, they are, it'll be because the Force allowed it to be. We can't. Yeah, he says, like, destiny. we're going. Well, it's like what his master taught him: trust in the Force. You know, it. You know, only trust in the Force. You know, um, it's a very classic ending. It's a satisfying ending. We have our, all um, of our four heroes lined up as it does the big musical swell right to credits. Ugh. It's, it's good. It's so Star Wars. It's it's the perfect ending to this game. Ends on a huge high note. Man, um, this game this game is fantastic. It's amazing. One of my, I love this game. I'm so so deeply um, excited for survival now. Definitely definitely a top five Star Wars game. I feel more strongly about that here. Oh, I I would say maybe even top three. Uh, maybe maybe Ooh, that's a that's a tough one battlefront 2 not battlefront the two. not the not the recent one the playstation 2 battlefront 2 jedi outcast uh, as a kid but i don't know that outcast is good <laughs> KOTOR, dark forces, obviously. dark forces is really good that's a conversation you know. for a different this might be a conversation for a different time because there's yeah you could, this could be a rabbit hole real quick um final thoughts uh survivor i'm really sad i got delayed because i want to play it right now um i'm okay with it being delayed because it got it out of the way of resident evil 4 remake that's true yeah um 
I'll probably be done with Resident Evil Four by the time Survivor hits. Uh, uh, so I I am uh, I'm okay with it. Um, I am excited. I think we're both reading the prequel book when it comes uh, out, aren't we? When my uh, when I get my Audible credit for the month, that's going to that. I think it comes out in the middle of March. I think it's I think. Be- the beginning of March. Like it's March six. I think because oh, okay. it was going to be a few weeks before Survivor, and I'm like, I don't know if I'll finish that in time. But now I'm like, oh, I have plenty of time to read this. Yeah, I might wait and use my March credit for it. I get my credits on the twentieth. Gotcha. Um, so that way I can listen to it and try to listen to it right up to when Survival hits. Um, but yeah, I'll be excited about that being on the Audible app. Um, great game it's a continuation of some great games that we've been playing uh this is obviously the first game of this season so it's a great way to start the season uh time to announce our next game uh this is one i am very excited for i actually uh put it in this uh afternoon Uh, i come home and eat my lunch here at the house and i was going to try to chop away at it a little bit before i uh on my lunch break today um you want to announce it or you want me to uh i'll take it uh eric i love stealth games i so we've uh seen from our top game on our list (laughs) uh this is a stealth series that has a lot of reverence i've dipped in and out of for so long but i'm like i want to play this this game it's been a while since it kind of came since it's been around but I don't want to play any of them. I want to play what's considered the best one. And what's considered one of the best stealth games of all time. I'll, I want to put that to the test. Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. Um, I am familiar with the Splinter Cell series. I've learned that I have played every one that came out after Chaos Theory. Um, and then I played Pandora Tomorrow. Hmm. Which was the game right before Chaos Theory. But I never played Chaos Theory. I was, once I bought Chaos Theory recently, I was lucky enough to find a copy of it for a dollar. So that ruled. <laughs> yeah, you found two, yeah, yeah, which is how I got the copy, because you like, <laughs> I bought you a copy for a dollar. <laughs> We're playing this, so don't, no, no questions asked. I, I found out that, was given. <laughs> I found out that I own all of the console ones, except for the first one, and the Xbox 360 version of double agent because there was two versions of double agent that came out um i will correct one thing i played chaos theory i think i played one mission of it at a friend's house but that's my full extent of chaos theory um so this is our first time both playing yeah, through this game which is I exciting am very excited um like i said i really really i actually really like all the splitter cells that follow this i played double agent and conviction and like, dude, I, I think those games are great. Um, and I remember really enjoying Pandora Tomorrow. Um, so I'm I'm thoroughly looking forward to this. Uh, we are both playing the Xbox versions, which I think is the Xbox and PC was the original releases, correct? Yeah, I'll get more okay. into that as I go through the prep and the story the of prep. how we get to Chaos Theory. So I couldn't find a lot on the actual development history of just chaos theory itself so i'm gonna kind of go on a track here that leads to it i ask that you like follow me through it because there is like connections here that's going to be made so the story of splinter cell begins with tom clancy 
an American novelist famous for his stories of military science, espionage, and political intrigue. His first novel, Hunt for Red October, was adapted into a game for the Commodore 64 three years before the movie adaptation. In the early 1990s, Tom Clancy worked with Virtus Studios, a North Carolina computer company that specialized in developing 3D animation tools to make a game based on his novel, SSN. The game released on November 12, 1996. The next day, Clancy and Doug Littlejohns of Virtus Studios, who helped make SSN, and also a former British Royal Navy captain, uh, Doug Littlejohns was, formed Red Storm Entertainment, which absorbed Virtus. They established their office in Cary, North Carolina. So, Tom, it's interesting, Tom Clancy... Even before his his books were getting movie adaptations, he went he was attracted for some reason to video games as a way of adapting his books. So he saw like the potential of games like early on from like the late eighties, even which is crazy. No, it's it, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would be like these video games are going to be uh, the hot new way to tell my stories of military espionage. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I applaud him for being on the ball with it, I guess. Yeah, it's weird, because I just expected somebody to like just throw money at him to make a deal. I didn't know Red Storm was founded by him. He was like a co-founder um, of that studio. I did not either. Uh, it's weird. Um... Because I remember being at a little press preview event for The Division, um, which was That's... the multiplayer was developed by Red Storm. And like, uh, just thinking that, oh, I didn't know that Red Storm was the OG Tom Clancy mm-hmm. people. I just thought they were a studio that Ubisoft brought in to work on The, the Division. Uh, it's kind of weird that they're like, no, no, we're the OG Tom Clancy guys, man. <laughs> um, fun story about that event. They wouldn't let me play the game until I liked them on Facebook. I think you I told was, that story here. Yeah, they made, like, they're like, hey, man, you want to play this game? They made you send a tweet or something. <laughs> they also really were, they had a bunch of fake guns. Uh, well, they were real, I think they were real guns that weren't active. Um, so they like they were real big about making sure that you stood up in front of like a broken down looking wall and held fake guns or held the guns and took pictures and then they constantly pushed you to put them on your Facebook page and twiddle They're like hey man that's a great shot uh, how about you put that picture of you holding a M two forty saw machine gun on your Twitter page and I'm like oh no man that's not really the vibe I'm trying to put out here <laughs> like but you know. And then, like I said, you couldn't go in and actually play the, the preview build until you liked them on Facebook. <laughs> You're like, you know what state we're in, right? That might send a message. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like, I don't know, man. Like, here it is, your dystopian-looking New York City behind me and me holding a light machine gun. Yeah, bro. Like, totally, let's make sure I just put that on my Twitter page. But yeah, they were really, they were like, they were harsh. Like they had like business cards that had like a step-by-step guidelines to how to like them on Facebook on them. <laughs> they were, they were, they were pushy. They were pushy. Um, also, I did not know, uh, because I, they give you headphones. 
Uh, I did not know that the guy was standing behind me the whole time trying to talk to me about like how to play the game and what I should be doing. So I was just playing the game, ignoring him because I have bad hearing. So I couldn't hear anything outside the headphones. And then when I took the headphones off, he was in mid sentence explaining like how a mechanic walked. I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, So if you ever ask, why did those state of the same boys never get invited to press events? (laughs) <laughs> for many reasons but that's one of them because apparently i'm not very good at it <laughs> but uh yeah all right so happening at meanwhile in 1997 ubisoft opened ubisoft montreal with 50 employees about 25 of which were transferred from ubisoft paris the remaining 25 were recruited young minds who quote didn't know how to make a game whatsoever according to the studio ceo yanis malat the team was given low-risk projects and licensed games to work on, such as Donald Duck Going Quackers, Batman Vengeance, and Playmobil Adventure Games. Uh, during this time, Ubisoft New York was working on an original project called The Drift, a stealth action game with a 1970s future tech aesthetic. Development was struggling, so the studio tried to save it by pitching it as a James Bond game. Ubisoft was unimpressed and closed the studio and moved the team to Montreal. In August of 2000, after a successful string of video games, Red Storm was purchased by Ubisoft. The purchase gave Ubisoft access to the Tom Clancy brand, as well as access to Unreal Engine, created by Epic Games, another North Carolina-based studio. Represent. Yeah, North Carolina. (laughs) Ubisoft then tasked... I threw you off there, I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you're good. Uh, Ubisoft then tasked Montreal with a mandate. Make a Metal Gear Solid 2 killer. (laughs) (laughs) Motherfucker, we don't even know what's happening in this game. How are we supposed to kill it? (laughs) There's a lady who's got luck powers and there's a vampire. How the fuck are we supposed to come up with something to beat this? I just I just picture them meeting. They just this is important to Ryden and be like, you must be as cool as this man right here. <laughs> you got some weeks. Apparently, you play as this guy. He must be really cool. <laughs> it's just him with like one of them sticks, and I picture like one of like the projectors like you used to have in school, and just hit the projector over and over again. Like, what's your ideas for being cooler than this guy right here? <laughs> if there's one clip from this show it's just that right there okay the team took elements from the drift and shifted it into tom clancy's style thus splinter cell was born splinter cell was developed and released to critical acclaim selling millions of copies Two sequels to Splinter Cell were kickstarted into development by Ubisoft Shanghai and Milan developing Pandora Tomorrow, the second game. And then Montreal, the team that led development of the first game, they developed Chaos Theory, which is what we're playing, the third game in the trilogy. So they were the ones who built the first game, and they were the they. Pandora Tomorrow seemed like it was, judging by like the review scores and everything, it seemed like it would took was a parallel to the original Splinter Cell, whereas with Chaos Theory, it's the original team 
looking at what worked, uh, scrapping what didn't, and making a true successor to Splinter Cell with Chaos Theory. I remember like all the um, the the coverage of Chaos Theory before it came out. Like they were just advertising like all of these new mechanics and stuff like for Chaos Theory. Well, Pandora Tomorrow, I don't remember that. Like I don't remember it being like. Oh, you can hang upside down, and there's new effects for how, like, you know, the goggles work, and like this and the other. That I remember Chaos Theory just being like bullet points, like Sam's got a knife now. <laughs> like I remember that being a bullet point. Well, like they gave him a knife. <laughs> um, uh, like yeah, you, you laugh. I remember that EGM article where like one of the bullet points was straight up like has knife. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah yeah i remember chaos theory being like pitched as a game changer so chaos theory took advantage of an updated unreal engine to create sprawling maps that could be tackled in multiple ways and massive upgrades to the lighting system introducing hdr lighting to the series and i can't wait to see what hdr lighting looks like on my xbox series x (laughs) oh yeah i i wonder how that like translates actually i'm actually considering playing this on my xbox 360 hmm. uh that i have set up in a um another room of my house uh and i don't know which one i want to do it on <laughs> like i don't know if i want to play it on my xbox 360 i or put would, it on my xbox series x it depends i would lean you towards the series x version just because i know with xbox 360 being backwards compatible sometimes it you can run into some issues with what the emulation stuff because it's just not as powerful of hardware to emulate the original xbox as the xbox series i'll look that up to see if there's any known issues with that but that's might be something worth considering i need to probably do that uh chaos theory released on march 21st 2005 to massive critical acclaim for the xbox and pc versions at least becoming the second highest scoring game of 2005. A little game called Resident Evil 4 was number one. And it deserved it. You're you're right. Uh, Chaos Theory sold 2.5 million copies in the first month. And if you go on Metacritic and look at games rated by Ubisoft, if you sort every Ubisoft game with a Metascore by Metascore, like by the highest to lowest... The top three ga- the top three highest review games Ubisoft made were the Splinter Cell trilogy, Chaos Theory being the top, then the original, then Pandora Tomorrow, all seen as like the greatest games uh, that publisher has ever made, which is crazy that even to this day one trilogy stands head and shoulders above everything else. I must say something. It's weird, but. I'm pretty sure the like Tom Clancy games are kind of like Ubisoft's high points. Like other than like a couple of little ones here and there, like Ghost Recon had a great run for a long time. Rainbow Six, Vegas, and Vegas Two are like bomb video games. Even the even the offshoot ones, you could know you would know there was a there was an expectation with those that you're like I might enjoy this. Yeah. So, the version of Chaos Theory we're playing is available on the Xbox, via backwards compatibility, of course, PC, and the PS3 via the Splinter Cell HD collection. Other versions of this game that are available, but 
there's going to be some limitations, cut levels, just overall different versions. So your mileage may vary. Uh, it's available on the Engage, PlayStation 2, GameCube, Nintendo DS, and the 3DS as Splinter Cell 3D. Are I'm, stop- sorry. I'm sorry. Do we think we have any listeners that are going to play it on the Engage? I, I hope so. <laughs> If you do, we will we will bring you in on this podcast to talk about that experience. Yeah, we'll we'll have you as a part of the game club to talk about your experience with the engage the engage version. version. Well, I didn't um, get any of that. My game broke around this time, but <laughs> I did not know this was released on the PlayStation Two. Yeah, uh, different. Uh, a different more cut down version of it because this game always had the xbox like branding behind it yeah yeah chaos theory was rated uh the best xbox game for 2005 because xbox didn't get resident evil 4 so yeah it would well, i don't think it was on playstation yet in 2005 was it because i know it was on gamecube it might have been i think it's 2006 ain't it when it goes to playstation i want to say it was near the end of the year i want to say uh they might have got it before christmas actually So yeah. I will settle this debate right now. That cannot be right. It was released for GameCube on January 11, 2005. So I want to say near the end of the year was when it finally got the... I, think uh, it'd be, I would think it was Christmas. Uh, it probably was Christmas time. Trying to think October 2005. Yeah. Not even a full year of exclusivity on that thing. <laughs> It felt like a lifetime for me, though, because I was so excited for it when it mm-hmm. came out, and I didn't have a GameCube. <laughs> so, the stopping point was Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. There's ten missions. Uh, we're playing up through Mission 5, Displace. Complete Mission 5. Complete Mission 5. There is a cutscene that you can watch a briefing for Mission 6. Uh, that one seems pretty cool, so I would recommend watching that. So prep yourself. Would you say it's fair to start Mission 6 would be the, the end spot? Now there's a... Because these games have a like cutscene that leads to the briefing before you actually start the mission. Okay, so just much, watch like, the cutscene. Watch the cutscene to prepare you for what you're going to do next, and that can kind of be like a good cliffhanger yeah. leading you to the next thing. I'm very excited for this. I think it's Me- going to be cool. Um, it's a game, like I said, I haven't completed. Uh, I'm excited. I'm ready to jump into Sam Fisher's shoes. I'm very, very pumped for this. I, I feel I like I'm going to play this game. I love stealth games, so it's cool to play one of the best one. What what people still consider to be one of the best in the genre. It'll be interesting to see because I've already I already feel annoyed that we're not getting any more Splinter Cell games anytime soon. I know those announcements and those always rumors, but um, like I said, I never felt like the series took a down a downturn. I really enjoyed the series up to the latest release. <laughs> um, so I um, uh, I feel like I'm just gonna come out of this more mad. <laughs> every year we get a damn Assassin's Creed, but we can't get a Splinter Cell. They're, they are, s- they're doing a remake of the first game. We'll see how that goes. But remakes are in right now, and most of them are good. So let's yeah, do it. we'll see though. It's still Ubisoft. 
If EA can bring back, if EA can bring back Dead Space, Ubisoft can bring back Splinter Cell. Yeah, I would love. I would love to. See, I've not played the first game, so that would be a great way to play the first game. Would be a nice fancy remake. Um, state of the save at TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, YouTube yeah, YouTube and Twitch. Michael did a stream of Twin Snakes recently. That's worth you going and looking at. The archive uh, think, is up on our YouTube channel, and uh, if you go on our Twitch and set the notification, you'll know when I go live for the next part of our yeah. uh, Twin Snakes playthrough, because it's just a fun going back and watching those insane cutscenes. Uh, also, uh, I think I'm going to do a couple, I talked to Michael about this, I think I'm going to do some mini reviews on Twitter, on TikTok. Um, I think we're going. I'm gonna do one on Goldeneye, and I think I'm gonna do one on Age of Empires. Uh, I think I'm gonna try to do these for some of the more modern releases. We don't do a lot of uh, modern games on this show for the playthroughs and things like that, but uh, little mini reviews on TikTok. Uh, I think I'm gonna call them mini games. Uh... See, see, yeah, uh, uh, is it a dumb name? Yeah, do I like it? Yeah. <laughs> But definitely follow us on all those platforms. Uh, stay the save at gmail.com is the email address we can send your emails. Uh, thank you as always for listening and stay safe out there.